Father, we love you. And God, we just want to come before you right now as a, a body of believers and asking that you, Lord, would drive this virus just out of the world. That, God, you would do a, a miracle. That you would, um, Lord, bring a, a vaccine. That, But, God, we just pray for you, you to move and to work. We pray for our president. We pray for our vice president. We pray for those government leaders who are just helping in this uh, process. We pray for those in the healthcare industry. God, protect them. And Lord, we just ask for your hand to just be upon each of us as we seek you, as we seek to draw near to you, God. And we want to give you our hearts right now as we come before you, as we study your word, that you would speak to us in that way that, that only you can. And so we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with the outbreak of this coronavirus, we are definitely living in unprecedented times. We are navigating right now uncharted waters. And listen, this was a news feed that came out this week. Anxiety grips countries across the world. World on edge, market bloodbath. Stocks crater, oil plunges, Italy on lockdown, and California has a stay-at-home order. It's crazy. The statistics worldwide as of this morning was that there were 316,000 or over 316,000 confirmed cases and tragically over 13,000 deaths but close to 96,000 recoveries. Here locally in San Diego, where where we're at, um, as of Friday, the toll was uh, 131 cases and thankfully no deaths. But this is serious stuff. And we can't take this lightly because, you know, this is a time for us to be, we need to be safe rather than sorry. It's a time for us to be practicing social distancing and, you know, following these orders that are being given to us. But when, you know, this first started, somebody asked me if I was going to continue to do our Transcendent series. I've been loving, you know, just these kind of deep dive looks that we've been looking at Jesus. But I really felt that the Lord spoke to my heart that during, you know, for this particular time that we needed to be speaking to the moment, that we needed to be, you know, looking at what, what God has to say in his word that would help us ha- to navigate these waters. And so for the time being here on, on Sunday mornings and also on Wednesday nights, our messages are going to really focus on passages that can help us to have the right perspective during this time. And, you know, my hope is that these messages will encourage your heart not to panic, not to be filled with fear. My prayer is that these messages will inspire your heart, that they'll give you perspective of what what this means for us as biblically as followers of Jesus Christ, as well as give us some practical insight and ideas on how we can be the church in, in our culture during this time and during the season, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they would see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So today is part three of this 
little series that we've been doing that we've been calling Living in Unprecedented Times. And I want to look at this, what it means for us to be living during these times as it relates to three vantage points, prophetically, personally, and publicly. So I want to start here in Matthew chapter 24, and we'll look at what it means for us prophetically. Jesus says this, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. The temple at that time was just luxurious, and they were stoked about it. They're looking and just, you know, man, look at how great the temple is. And Jesus kind of blows their mind here in verse 2 when he says to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then it says in verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, what's interesting about prophecy is that there's always a near and far fulfillment of the prophecy. And so the disciples, they come and they, they're seeing, you know, they're looking at the temple and then Jesus takes them up to the Mount of Olives, which has a beautiful view there of the city of Jerusalem and, and looking right there at the temple. And Jesus, you know, tells them, or they ask him, what will be the sign? When when are these things going to happen? And we know the near fulfillment was uh, just under 40 years later when the temple was torn down in AD 70 when the Romans came in and, and they ransacked the city of Jerusalem. But there would also be a far fulfillment that would take place in leading up to the, the days of the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus proceeds to talk about here in verse 4. It says, Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So that'll be a sign. False Christ, false prophets. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places... All these are the beginning of sorrows. And if you like to write in your Bible where that word sorrow is, I want you to write the word birth pains. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, you know, before the coming, before I I come back to this earth, the earth is going to experience birth pains, contractions. And it's going to be in the form of all of these different things that he mentions here of earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. And notice there in verse 7, he says that the last days that there would be pestilences and diseases in various places. And I think at least on some level, what we're experiencing is an example of that. A virus that is literally impacting the entire world at this time. 
You know, we've been seeing these type of things for years and years and years, and I think we could say, you know, that they're, in, in time past, these are sort of what we might call Braxton Hicks for somebody, a gal that is pregnant, you know, false labor, you know, she's not in labor yet, but this one for us might actually be a literal contraction because this is unlike anything that we've ever seen before. But here's what's interesting. And Luke's gospel is, you know, kind of counterpart to or parallel passage to this one that we're reading here. He says, and when you see these things happening, freak out. That's not what he says. He says, when you see these things happening, look up for your redemption draws near. Look up because God's doing something. And, you know, throughout the history of mankind in times of crisis is when people tend to turn to God, or at least they start thinking about God. And, you know, for years, the church worldwide has been thinking about, talking about, and praying about revival, the need for another major outpouring of God's Spirit upon the world. And in Joel chapter 2, we read there in the last days that God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Now, we have seen a near fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit there in Jerusalem. But Joel also is speaking about a later day and a later time when God's Spirit would be poured out. And we have been longing for that, praying for that, that this outpouring would take place. And if you study revival history, it's interesting to note that revivals usually happen in the context of some kind of social upheaval. When something is going on in culture that sort of shakes society and shakes people out of their comfort zones and brings them to kind of the reality of their own mortality. And revival is also a time when idols get torn down. And you know what? I was thinking about this earlier this week, that this virus has literally torn down the idols that our culture has been propping up for years. You know, an idol is anything that you focus on or trust in more than God. And Zechariah prophesied of something the Lord would do in the latter days when he said this in Zechariah 13, verse 2, it shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land and they shall no longer be remembered. And I was thinking that what we're experiencing right now is what I might call a preview of coming attractions because this virus has literally torn down the idols of the entertainment industry, the sporting world, and the financial markets. Now let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that if you enjoy watching a good movie from time to time or a sporting event that you are an idolater. Or, and I'm not also, you know, suggesting that if you are invested in the stock market that you are committing idolatry. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But for many people in our culture, entertainment is their focus. And the sports teams are what they are living for. And for many all over the world, it's their investments that they're trusting in. 
And here we have seen that in one week, the entertainment industry has been shut down. Movie sets are closed. There's no more movie or or TV programs being produced right now. People can't go to the movies to escape from life. The sporting world has been shut down. Seasons canceled. I mean, it's crazy. And the stock market right now is in upheaval. And and there's economic uncertainty all over the globe. And some people are suggesting that this virus might even usher in the cashless society that the Bible prophesies will happen in the last days because as most of you know cash is really really dirty there's a lot of germs and a lot of viruses that that get carried on you know money in fact i was at a store earlier this week and that there was a sign on the the door or the window going into the store that said no longer taking cash And some people are suggesting that this virus could actually, you know, bring us to this place where where we finally, what the Bible predicts will happen in the latter days, that we are done with cash, that we'll become a cashless society. I think it's obvious that God is allowing us to be shaken. But I think the reason is this. He wants us to seek him more passionately. You know, I think what God said to the nation of Israel a few thousand years ago is very applicable to us, especially the church right now, but really the whole world. Because there in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear heal their land. And church, I want to encourage all of us. Let's humble ourselves. Let's search our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us of our complacency. Let's be honest with the Lord if your focus has maybe been on something else more than it's been on Him. Let's be honest if your trust has been in something else other than the Lord. And let's let's repent of that. And I believe that if Christians all over the world did that, I believe that we would see a radical revival. So let's seek the Lord and press into him like never before. So that's what I think these unprecedented times mean for us right now prophetically. God is shaking us. God is trying to get our attention. God is wanting to pour out his spirit afresh. But what about personally? I want to talk for a few minutes about isolation. You know, some of you hate isolation. We, we hate having to slow down and, and to be still. But it's almost as if the Lord right now is causing the entire world into a forced Sabbath. To be still. And to know that he is God. You know, we've been ordered here in California to stay at home, to hunker down, 
to isolate, that only essential you know, businesses are allowed to be open. Now, I was really encouraged on Friday when the, our governor put out a, a lengthy list of what he considered to be essential vis, uh, businesses, and the church was on that list. Now, we were at the very, very bottom, right, right above, second to last, above laundromats, I see something even in that because I guess we're both kind of in, in cleaning, you know, and, and helping things get cleaned up. And, but, I, but I was in, encouraged. That's why we could do this. Is he, he said, you know what, I see the value in churches being able to, to go to church and put forth these, you know, videos and be available for their people. But this is also something that I've been thinking a lot about this week is that we see in the Bible how God often used isolation in people's lives in a profound way. And you see in the life of Jesus, he has a time out in the wilderness of isolation. John the Baptist, Elijah, Joseph, Paul the Apostle has this time that he speaks of in the book of Galatians. Three years where he was sort of in isolation with just him and Jesus. And all of them were put in these times of isolation. But God used it in really, really great ways. Think about David. Some of the great psalms that we read and that we sing and that we take comfort in were written in da- when David was in time of isolation. You know, sometimes those, that isolation was voluntary. So he just wanted to get away. He just wanted to be with God. But other times it was forced. He was being chased around the countryside by a crazy king named Saul, and he was hiding out and forced. David was forced to live in caves, but it was during that time that he wrote some of these psalms that just so bless our heart. Think about John, the disciple. He was banished to the island of Patmos. But it was on that island in isolation that he received from the Lord the vision of the book of Revelation that we've been given. Now, I'm not suggesting that in this time of isolation that you are suddenly going to be recruited by the Lord to write inspired scripture. The Bible is complete. But it's in this time of isolation, I think the Lord wants us or wants to personally draw near to us to speak to you in that still, small voice. In fact, sometimes it takes isolating ourselves in order to even hear that still, small voice. And we see this in the life of Elijah the prophet. Our marriage and family pastor, Jesse Hernandez, he, he spoke about this in his devotion this week. How there in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see Elijah is fleeing for his life from a wicked queen who had promised to kill him. He runs to Horeb, the mountain of God, and he's hiding in a cave, and it says there that, that all of a sudden there was a strong wind, but it says the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then it says that there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then it says that there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And I find that to be so interesting because I think that, you know, we have a tendency, all of us, myself included, to focus on the horizontal. 
You know, we're so focused on what's going on around us and like, okay, what is God doing? And sometimes we desperately need to take our eyes off of the horizontal and get vertical. And that's when we begin to hear. We put ourselves in that place to hear that still, small voice of the Lord. That's exactly what happens with Elijah. Once he realizes that the Lord, the Lord wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, it was then that he quieted his heart and the Lord spoke to him in that still, small voice. So church, can I encourage you right now? Listen to me. I want to encourage you to lean into this time of isolation. Because here's the reality. This thing that we're going through right now did not take God by surprise. It didn't. He knew that this was going to happen, and he's allowing this. And I believe with all of my heart that one of the reasons why he has allowed this is he's seeking to knit our hearts closer to him. He's causing us to be still and to slow down, and to seek him more intently. And I want to encourage you to do that. To allow the Lord to speak to you in that still, small voice as you seek him in prayer, as you seek him in the word. Now, you could use this time, and some will, to binge on Netflix to get caught up on all your TV shows, and others will use this time of isolation to, you know, tackle that home project that you've been putting off for, you know, such a long time. But can I encourage you during this time to make your number one priority to use this time? to press into the Lord, to draw closer to him and to seek him with all your heart because the Lord gives us this promise if we do that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says that God says he is the rewarder of those who diligently, or we could put passionately, seek him. And here's the question. How does he reward us? The biggest way he rewards us is with more intimacy. He draws near to us. Listen to these promises in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. It says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and all of your soul. That's the promise. Or this one, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me, and here's the promise, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Or this one, Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me, here's the promise, when you search for me with all of your heart. And church, I want to encourage you during this time of isolation, this fourth Sabbath that God is calling us to right now, to seek him like you have never done before. And you know, we want to help you do that. So this week, the pastors here at Calvary Vista and, and myself, we got together and, and, and we're going to start each week putting out a Bible study that we'll email to you. If you're part of our email database, if you're not and you want to receive these, as Jamie said, you can go on our website and sign up for that. It's real simple. 
But we're going to send out these Bible studies. Now, this is going to be a little bit different than the morning devotions that we're doing. These will not be in video form. This is only going to be in written form. And they're going to be a lot more in-depth. And the focus of these Bible studies is going to be on isolation. It's going to be on looking at different characters in the Bible and seeing how God met them in these times of isolation. Because I think God wants us to learn something from that right now. And these will be Bible studies that you could do with your family. For those of you who are married and have a family, that you can sit down and go through this with them together and learn together. Maybe have some family devotional time in that way. For those of you who are single, this, these are going to be studies that, that you could do and you could go on Zoom or, or FaceTime or Skype and get together with your f- different friends and, and, and talk about, you know, how the Lord's encouraging you and stirring your heart. And so every single Wednesday, we're going to be putting one of these out for the next several months or at least until this virus, this thing that we're in passes. But this time of isolation, it's a time for us to seek the Lord, to draw near to him. And again, listen, here's some promises that we have in Scripture that God gives us that if we set our hearts to doing that, this is what he promises. He promises renewed strength in Isaiah 40, 31. He promises gladness to our heart in 1 Chronicles 16, 10. He promises deliverance from fear in Psalm 34, 5. He promises discernment and understanding and wisdom in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. He promises blessing to our hearts in Lamentations chapter 3. He promises joy to us in Isaiah 49, and he promises satisfaction to our soul in Psalm 27. So church... I want to encourage you, lean into this time of forced Sabbath. Lean into this time of isolation and seek the Lord. Now, I do know that is easier said than done, especially for some of you who have kiddos at home. It's hard. And in these Bible studies that we're going to be sending out to you, that we're going to be emailing to you, um, we're going to even put some practical suggestions to help you who have the kiddos at home to even navigate that. So keep your eyes open for that. Because here's the fact. Here's the reality of this. This virus, this storm, it's going to pass. It is. It's going to pass. In fact, in China right now, where this all started, life is starting to get back to normal after about two months. So we are going to come out of this. We are. But the question is, how are we going to come out of this? And personally, how are you going to come out of this? Are you going to come out of this closer to the Lord? Are you going to come out of this stronger in your intimacy and your relationship with him? Are you going to come out of this stronger in your faith? Or are you going to come out of it weaker? more distant from the Lord because you simply wasted your time and you wasted your opportunity. Is the remainder of this storm in your life just going to simply be one big inconvenience or is it going to be a time that with great intentionality you lean into the Lord maybe like you never have done before?
I really, really hope for all of us personally, for us here at Calvary Vista as a church corporately, and really for the church globally, I pray that this would be a time like never before that we would pray, that we would seek the Lord, and that this would be a time that God would deepen us and widen us, and that he would do a work in our world like we've never, ever seen before. So that's what these unprecedented times mean for us prophetically, what they mean for us personally. But lastly, I want to I talk about for a few minutes, what does this mean for us publicly, practically, as it relates to our, you know, how we interact, especially when we're on, you know, here in California, we're in, you know, home uh, isolation. We have this stay-at-home order. How do we do this? And there's two applications that I want us to consider. I want us to, first of all, relate to this, how, how it speaks to us concerning our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then I also want to just talk for a few minutes about how it relates to us as followers of Christ concerning our place in culture and our place with the, the public at large. So first of all, let's talk about how this relates to us in the body with our brothers and sisters. And Hebrews chapter 10 is an interesting passage for us to consider right now. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, this verse, oftentimes, it gets used to talk about, hey, you need to be in church. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be you know, engaging yourself with, with the body of Christ. But I think this verse needs to take on a whole new meaning for us right now when it says to not forsake fellowship. Because here's what we need to understand. Isolation is one thing. Detachment, though, is another. And I want to encourage you, church, don't detach. The opposite. Let's do the opposite. Let's attach ourselves at this time to one another. And notice how it starts. It starts with consider one another. And that word consider means to be attentive toward each other. In other words, it's the idea of being intentional about connecting with and checking on our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sharing these devotions with one another that we're putting out. Sharing words of encouragement that God is teaching you. Praying for each other. You know, the word fellowship means to share in common. And all of us right now, we're sharing in common a virus. But we're also sharing in common, and we need to be sharing in common, our relationship with Christ. Hey, if you know someone who is elderly and all alone, call them. Check in on them. You know somebody who is single and alone. I got a message from uh, a sister in the Lord um, last night, and, and she's really, really having a, a hard time because she's single, and she's all alone, and she's missing her friends. And, you know, it's people like that. We need to call them. We need to reach out to them. We need to, you know, if you know somebody who is far away, 
who's maybe off at college or you know they're living somewhere else and you know that they don't have a great social circle reach out to them call them facebook them email them you know reach out to them in that way to encourage them because in galatians chapter 6 verse 2 it says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ so this is a time like no other where we need to bear one another's burdens to call And when you call somebody, can I encourage you? Listen. Listen. Don't just spout off a bunch of Bible verses. Listen. Let let them them just share what's on their heart. Let Let them, if they're afraid, let them talk. Let them, you know, just just allow them in that, that type of way. You know, the Marines have a great mentality, a great saying. It's no one left behind. And that should be our our mentality right now as well. No one left behind. You know, beginning this week, our church staff and many volunteers are going to be calling 3,000-plus people that are in our database just to check in on them, just to encourage them, to see how we can be praying for them, to see if they have you know, any physical needs. We'll repeat that process a few weeks from now because we want to consider one another and stay connected to each other. But the writer of Hebrews admonishes us to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Love for Jesus, our commitment to him, but also good works. A love for others and a love for our community, you know, an ability to do acts of service. You know, last week we talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I talked about how you know, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that. But what he has given us is that of love, power and love. And a sound mind. You know, the Greek scholar Jerry Vine describes power as an ability for meeting difficulties for the fulfillment of a service committed to us. And one of the ways, church, that we can overcome fear and avoid getting distracted and off track during this time is to realize that there is a calling from the Lord that has been committed to us. As I've been saying, church, this is our time to shine our time to shine this is our time to be lighthouses in the midst of this storm pointing to the safety that we and the hope that we have in jesus christ how do we do that one of the best ways is the midst of this is, is not to freak out that we get to be those peace dispensers during this time I want to give you just some practical ways before we we go today that we can help others in this season of need. You know, one way, this is is my my wife's idea to this, is to bake. (laughs) Since this whole thing started, she's baked one batch of snickerdoodle cookies she baked two banana breads, and then last night she baked chocolate chip cookies. I told her, I said, honey, I said, you know, from the time of my hip surgery, till I've lost 20 pounds, I'm going to gain it all back. Stop it, please. No, baking's okay. But if you bake, share some with your neighbors. But seriously, how, how can we help? I'll give you seven things real quick. Number one, don't hoard. Don't hoard. 
In fact, be ready to donate food and supplies to neighbors who have lost their jobs. There's people around you right now that they don't have a paycheck anymore. Be willing to reach out to them. You know, one of our core values here at Calvary Vista is this. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. We need to realize that. We need to understand that. You know, be willing to donate to food banks, to your church, if, if they have a, a food pantry like we do here. Be, be willing to do that. Number two, be available. Offer to help those around you, especially those who are at-risk neighbors or elderly or have health issues. Offer to go to the store for them, to go pick up prescriptions for them, to walk their dog, whatever it might be. Make yourself available. Number three, stay connected. Stay in close communication with friends and family and neighbors just to check in on them to see how they are coping. Number four, stay informed. Help pass on information that you know is truthful. You know, there's a lot of fake news going around right now. Don't share that. Be mindful. Do your research. Number five, give blood. The Red Cross strongly urges healthy, eligible blood donors to schedule a donation to maintain sufficient supply of blood products for those in need during this time. Number six, be patient. Be aware that everyone handles situations like this very, very differently. And number seven, pray. In fact, that should be, that's the most important thing that we can do. And this week, there's going to be an opportunity for you to jump on a website that we'll make available on our website to be involved in a 24-hour around-the-clock for the next 40, 50, however long it takes days to be praying that God would just be moving and working in our world right now concerning this whole situation that we find ourselves in. And we're looking for people to jump on board in 15-minute prayer increments. And we basically want to just fill up a whole time of prayer. Guys, be praying. Praying for our president. Praying for our leaders. We are living in unprecedented times, but we're going to make it out of this. We are. The question that remains to be seen is this. What will be the condition of our hearts when we come out of this? Will we be shaken or strengthened? Will will we be wrecked or renewed? And finally, the last question I want to ask today is this. Are you prepared to die? I know it's kind of a morbid question, but I think in this pandemic, it's caused a lot of us to question and to wonder and to kind of search and, you know, what if I died today? And it's a tragedy that anyone has died from this virus. We need to pray for loved ones who have lost somebody because of this. But here's the reality. All of you who are watching this right now, you're going to die someday. You are. And the question is, are you ready to meet God? You know, Jesus told us how we could be ready. He said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He showed us the way. He gave us this absolute statement right there. 
When he was saying to us that, look, I'm it. I'm not a way. I am the way. And he proved that he was the way when he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, proving that he was exactly who he said he was. And Jesus says right now that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens the door of their heart to him, that he'll come into them and he'll fellowship with them. He'll forgive their sins. He'll enter into relationship with him. And if you're watching right now and you don't have that hope that that we have in Christ, that you don't have that relationship with him, you can get that right now by just opening up your heart to Jesus in this simple prayer. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are on the throne. I thank you, God, that you are at work Even when we can't see it, you're working, just like the song that we sang earlier said. And Lord, I pray today that you would just be encouraging our hearts concerning this time that we're in. Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves just pressing into you in this time of forced Sabbath. That, Lord, you would be showing us how we could be available to our community, to people around us, to be the church. But Lord, I especially pray for those right now who maybe don't know you or not in a right place with you. And right now, they, they, they're realizing you're speaking to their hearts and you're, they know that you're knocking and that they want to open up the door of their hearts today and they want to receive you. And God, I pray that you would just work in their lives right now. And if you're watching me right now and and you want to open up your heart to Jesus, I would just ask you right now in this moment to just repeat this prayer after me, no, no matter where you're at. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. I've walked away from you. I've been ignoring you. But God, right now, I want to, I want to just ask that you would forgive me of my sin that you would come into my heart, that you would strengthen my life, that you would help me to to hope in you. Lord, I want to have that relationship with you. So thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.